What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the podcast. Tamara's here with another episode. I'm trying a new software. It seems to be way more seamless than what I was using before. So I pray that you guys are going to enjoy this episode and I won't get the negative comments about the, the volume again. But yeah, like I said, welcome back to the podcast. Another episode, another good one, I believe, that'll be able to challenge you, specifically every single person listening, not just to say, I want a godly spouse, um, and have you look within yourself to see if you're actually ready for one, or if that's actually something you're desiring to pursue after. Because I don't believe that everyone is as ready for a godly spouse as they claim they are. So I'm going to need you to go ahead and prepare yourself. I believe that now while you're in these beginning stages, you should not just be asking God to do anything, but you should be prepping yourself for what you want God to do in your life. So if you haven't um, checked this out before, check out other episodes and we're going to dive a little bit deeper today. Um, I want you guys to to bear with me. Um, I want you to hear this comment that I read. I believe it's attributed to John Piper. Um, I believe it's from his website or so because I don't know about this in a book. It says, God designed marriage as a lifelong commitment between one man and one woman for their mutual joy, the good of society, and the procreation of children. Marriage ultimately displays the glory and grace of God by picturing the unbreakable relationship between Christ and his church. And the reason why I want to start us off there is because I think, whether you like that guy or not, I don't know if anyone's like anti-John Piper, but that is such an amazing description of what marriage should be. I believe that a lot of times we have the wrong perspective when it comes to marriage. I think a lot of Christians, you know, we get married sometimes, honestly, for the wrong reasons. And one of the main reasons why I believe people get married is for guilt-free sex. You know, they don't want to feel bad. They don't want to be in sin. They don't want anyone to judge them. But are we looking at it as though it's for our mutual joy, for the good of society, for bringing in children that honors God? Are we looking at it from those perspectives? I believe those are some things God wants us to take into consideration. So today's episode, I'm really asking, are you sure you want that? Or are you sure you're ready to be one? Um, And I wanted just a few points for you guys to look at. So bear with me and let's just get straight into this one. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is a godly partner isn't going to help you indulge in your fleshly desires, but instead, they're someone that's going to push you towards holiness. There's a lot of things that this factors into, like things like accountability, which a lot of Christians don't like. Um, You tell them, hey, that was wrong. They say only God can judge me, and then they start attacking you, and they start getting frustrated and all kinds of things. And I'm just like, hey, fam. Only God can judge me. Is that really what you want? (laughs) Uh, First of all, let's start there. I don't think that's really what you want. But the Bible says it like this in Proverbs 27 and 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So we need to pay attention to what this verse is telling us, first of all, because I think this is something that's widely quoted. I got my headphones here. I'm all, all over the place today. But iron sharpens iron. That's something that's widely quoted However, I don't think that's widely understood. So for one, this verse starts off talking about iron. So both objects have to be iron. Um, And that's why we have to take in consideration that God is not for unequally yoked relationships. Whether you're marrying this person or you're best friends with this person, Christians should not be unequally yoked. Um, You both have to be iron. When iron rubs against iron, obviously that verse says it sharpens it. But when iron rubs against other circumstances, like when you're 
I guess, you know, maybe using the axe head to chop a, a tree or whatever. Over time, it gets dull um, when when an axe or a piece of steel or iron or something is not in the right type of weather. It gets dirty or it stays wet and it's not cleaned. Eventually, it rusts. So that's why the Bible says iron sharpens iron. If you're in the right environment, it allows for you to, to grow. Both of you are helping one another grow. You're strengthening them. They're strengthening you. However, if you're with someone that is not iron, they're not a Christian. You're a Christian, but they're not. They cannot challenge you to be a stronger Christian. The only, only Christians that grow while dating someone that isn't saved is because they've been seeking God so much. Hey, please save my spouse. Please save my spouse. They've been praying all day for years. You know, so obviously they'll grow. But the, the desire is, is that both of you will spiritually help one another. Both of you are in a position to grow. So if you're saying you want a godly spouse, are you saying that I want to live a life worthy of helping another Christian grow into the purpose God has for them? Are you willing to say, I want that godly woman by my side because I'm a male or you as a woman, maybe you're a woman listening. I want a godly man by my side that is able to push me towards purpose. Because I think a lot of times we're, we're not looking at marriage from the purpose perspective. We're just looking at it from the passion perspective. How can I be fed? How can I be entertained? How can I be pleased? How can I get my needs met? But a lot of times we forget that marriage is way more than just about ourselves. But I'll talk about that in a little bit. You know, but when you have a godly marriage, understand that you have to be the person to help them spiritually. Um, even the Bible makes it clear, like it doesn't say the pastor is the head of the home. It mentions that a husband should be the head of his home in Christ, the head over the husband. Why? Because God wants us to be strengthening one another. So if you're married to someone who's not able to spiritually feed you, how are you growing spiritually when you're at home? Because it shouldn't be based off your relationship with your pastor or your ministers at your church or your favorite social media influencers, but the home should be able to strengthen each other spiritually. And that's something that is very important, um, you know, because I think this is the part that may rub people the wrong way. But when you're marrying someone, they should be able to correct you when you're off course. I think Safa does a great job of noticing my weak spots or noticing my blind spots or noticing when I'm making a mistake and willing to, to address it, you know, and it's not like a, oh, you're so trash type of thing. No, like lovingly address it. And that's what we need when we marry someone. We don't just want someone who agrees with our lifestyle. Um, we On a few episodes back, if you've never listened to our episode with Pastor Flowers, you should. Jerry Flowers is a great episode. But I think a lot of times we marry people on our level. Rather than marrying someone that is attached to the purpose God has for us later on. I think a lot of times we forget that where you are today is not where God is trying to take you in 10 years. You know, so when you when you connect to someone, think about um, Abraham. Yeah, he had a woman who's supposed to be, you know, helping him become the father of many nations. Well, when he married this woman... They couldn't, well, you know, for a long period of time, they couldn't have no kids, you know what I'm saying? But God had a purpose bigger than what they could currently see. So if you marry someone who's not able to help you in your future, then you're destroying your future before you even get there. You have to think long term. People like Samson was thinking short term. I just need a woman that's going to please me. I just need a woman that looks good to my eyes. I just need a woman I can have sex with, not realizing those women would be spiritually draining him in the long run, spiritually leading to his downfall. And that's what we must be careful of as believers. You know, and another thing that they'll help with is the fact that they help in, in the aspect of accountability. Excuse me, Galatians 6 and 1 says it like this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. 
keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So we have to understand it's our duty as believers to help those who fall into sin. It's our duty as believers to confront those who fall into sin because you can't help someone if you're not willing to confront their issue. So now when you're married, you're around someone who can see your blind spots. You're around someone who can see your weaknesses, see your downfalls. And their goal in life should be to help you overcome that. Their goal should be, oh, I see, man, I see that, you know, this person has a drinking problem. This person has a lust problem. This person has a lying problem. This person has a gossip problem. Whatever sin you want to name, this person has an XYZ problem. If you're close to them, you should be aiming to, hey, you know, I know this is an issue, but, you know, God has more for you. Let's see how we can, you know, place guardrails around that. Let's see how we can fix that. Whatever it is that the person has an issue with, you who are connected to them should be able to uplift them. So how much more now when you're married, you have a huge chance of seeing the, all of the weak areas in your spouse and being able to push them towards growth because you can't help restore someone if you pretend that they're not in sin. And, you know, and a lot of things that I mentioned on a podcast before, sorry if it sounds repetitive, but there's a lot of people I do know that they were on fire for God. They were passionate about the things of God. And then they married someone who was not. And now they're not involved. Why? Because they didn't really know how to confront this. Spot. They didn't know how to, to make, um, you know, hey, you know, you're doing this wrong. They don't want to say anything that seems confrontational. And eventually they ended up compromising, you know, and God wants us to understand That when you're marrying someone, the goal isn't to entertain their fleshly desires. The goal isn't to pretend this person that's out here sinning, doing everything anti-scripture is okay in God's eyes. It's not. God wants you to aim to push them towards holiness. So when you say, I want a godly spouse, are you willing to help someone spiritually? Not, not, you know, dominate them, stuff like that, you know, but are you willing to allow someone to tell you, hey, I'm going to need you to, um, you know, get your act together because, you're you're kind of in sin right now. You're in rebellion right now. You're yeah, you attend church, but you're not living according to God's standards. And that's what we have to pay attention to because marriage is way bigger than, you know, just about our pleasure. Which leads me to my second point that God, a godly marriage is more than just guilt-free sex, but it should be viewed as a ministry. I think a lot of times, like I said before, we're getting married and it's not for the right reason. We're trying to get married because, man, well, you know, I love them. You know, I ain't trying to hear about no hell. You know, I ain't trying to go to hell. I just want to have sex. And that's literally how some people view marriage. And marriage is much bigger than that. And if we take marriage as just a matter of, well, I don't want to be in sin. I don't want to go to hell. Listen, that's not the goal, you know? So, I, and obviously there are going to be so many people, even after this, that listen to me, they're still going to get married just because they wanted sex or because they already started having sex and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to stop, you know, and I, you know, I respect it, you know, cause sex is a healthy desire to have to desire. Sex is not an ungodly desire. Um, when you go about it in the wrong means is when it's not pleasing to God. Cause Paul says it like this in first Corinthians seven, eight through nine in the Christian standard Bible. It says, I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain as I am, which meaning Paul's single. I prefer you guys just stay single. Verse nine says, but if they do not have self-control, they should marry since it is better to marry than to burn with desire. So Paul is very clear with his instructions about this situation. He's letting them know, hey, singleness is a blessing. Uh, maybe I need to do another um, YouTube video on that. Not another podcast episode because I think I already did. But singleness it should be viewed as a blessing. It shouldn't be viewed as though God is punishing you. There's so many singles that listen to this and they're like, so what do I do in this season? It's like, 
Whatever you would have been doing if you were married, outside of, you know, having a person connected to you. Your life shouldn't start when you get married. There's so much we can do for God. There's so much we can learn um, about this world, about ourselves, so much we can do and grow while single. We shouldn't view it as though it's a curse from God or something. You know, and he told him, I prefer to you guys stay single. But if you're struggling with lust, please go get married because it should not be any fornication in the church. It shouldn't be adultery in the church. So Paul is like, hey, you know, if you can't control your urges... You know, you're free to do that. But Paul is not telling them, though, hey, you know, if you got a lust problem, you know, marriage is the answer to a lust problem. That's not what Paul was saying. And I don't want us to misinterpret that because marriage is way more than just sex. Those moments of pleasure you have fun with, good job. But eventually you have to get off the back, get off your bed. Eventually you have to leave your house. Eventually you have to pay bills. You have to learn this person. You have to understand this person. You have to serve this person. You should not be viewing it. As just, um, you know, I want to have fun. You know, I want to get somebody. No, like God is, God's not telling you, you know, you should marry someone just for sex. That's not, that, sh- that should never be viewed as the purpose of marriage. You know, so I'm not foolish enough to argue with Paul. But I want you to understand that he's not saying, hey, guys, if we have less problems, we all should just get married. We should deal with our urges because we shouldn't bring that type of spirit into our marriage. Because a fornication problem can just lead into an adultery problem. A pornography problem prior to marriage is still going to be a pornography problem after marriage. A lack of boundaries before marriage will be a lack of boundaries in marriage. And I learned that firsthand. If you don't exercise boundaries before, you're going to realize quickly you need to exercise them now. You know, so we have to understand that that's not what Paul's goal is. He just said he didn't want them in fornication. But the question remains, what are you doing when the sex is over? Because now it's time to serve them. Love them, respect them, cherish them, you know, so please don't think marriage is all about pleasure, you know, and I think marriage has a lot, a much bigger purpose than sex because it's like we're seeing a very clear indication of Christ's love for the church. There's no clearer example of God's love for his people than how a man should love his wife and how a woman should love their husband as connected as God wants his church to be to him is as connected as he would love for to see a marriage connected under his submission. You know, when we think about people in the Bible, when God blessed Abraham, he didn't just bless Abraham. He literally had to bless his wife as well. God could not have made Abraham a father of many nations without a Sarah. So the blessings that God had for Abraham flowed through his wife because God had a plan for them. You know, and I think a lot of times we forget that God has a plan for your marriage. God wants to have a, a purposeful marriage. He wants you to have a purposeful marriage. He wants the same way that he loves his church is the way, the same way we should be having a purposeful and a blessing type marriage. And Abraham and Sarah is a perfect example. Boaz and Ruth is a, it's, it's like a type of Christ, a woman who probably is rejected by society, but the kinsman redeemer steps in. Um, he loves her. It doesn't matter what she's going through. And you guys could check out the Boaz episode previously. And I talked a little bit about that, you know, but another um, marriage that I think about how it should be viewed as a, as a ministry and not just about pleasure is a, um, Hosea and his wife, Gomer. If you don't know about that, well, quick synopsis, it's only a, ch- a book of the Bible with a few chapters, but Hosea did not ask God to marry a prostitute. God told Hosea he needed to marry a prostitute because he was showing an example to the children of Israel. He was showing them that, hey, Hosea, you're going to marry this prostitute and she's going to still go out there and keep prostituting herself. You have to love this woman who's not emotionally committed to you. 
who's not physically committed to you. And he's letting her see, he's letting Hosea see, this is how evil the ch my children are being in my sight. And they know I love them, but they're still, uh, the Bible says, whoring after other gods. They're still prostituting themselves with false gods, false doctrines, false things of this world. So when we see that, we're seeing, if we think about it, if God told us to marry a prostitute that would cheat on us, many of us would think God has lost his mind. Why would I go out and marry someone who's not going to love me properly? Why would I go out and respect some, and listen to someone who doesn't serve me and who wants to do their own thing? And God is not telling us marriage is always about your pleasure, your fun, but it's about his glory. Eventually, the children of Israel, they see their ways. You know what I mean? They turn back to God. But God was using that marriage not for Hosea's gain. I don't know if Hosea was happy about it. You know, maybe we can assume because he loved God so much that he's willing to be happy. But none of you would be happy God telling you you had to marry someone for a purpose, you know, bigger than, you know, our fleshly needs. You know, so I want us to understand that God has greater plans for marriage outside of just sex. He wants your marriage to be, a, um, you know, proof of his glory. He wants your marriage to point back to him. You know, so in marriage, I believe we're always going to be serving God together. We're going to be serving one another and we're going to be serving people. Um, you know, one aspect, you know, my wife and I are trying to get better at. I know you guys are always asking for her to be back. Listen, maybe if maybe if a thousand people join Patreon, we could get her to quit her job. But we ain't got nobody on Patreon either. So uh, she going to have to work that nice job. I'm going to have to do what I got to do still in school as well. You know what I'm saying? We're all over the place. But another aspect where I'm, I'm bringing her in. I love her anyways. Um, but one aspect we're working on is trying to pray together because it's not enough to just pray. You pray and I pray now, nah, but try to pray together, try to study together, maybe devotion together, fast together. When you do things together as a couple, that's a form of serving one another. That's a form of building one another up. And that's one aspect, you know, you should be doing when you're connected to one another. Um, Paul says it like this in... 1 Corinthians 7, 32, I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife and his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord so that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world how she may please her husband. So this is back to where Paul was telling them, you know, in 1 Corinthians 7 about marriage and things like that. And Paul is saying, hey, your interests are divided when you're, when you have to be married. Because when you're single, and that's why I want you guys to listen to me when you're single. I'm not telling you don't get married. Marriage is an amazing thing. But please understand, you're free to do more for God and yourself while single than you are when married. So don't feel as though you need to rush into another season if you're not ready, or if you haven't done what God has called you to do in this season, God is God has a purpose for every season you're in. Don't just rush into the marriage season. Learn what 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 do I need to do now? You know, while I'm single, what do I need to do now while we're only dating? What do I need to do now while engaged? And if you are married, still try to figure out what do you need to do because there's a lot of marriage people, a lot of married people that aren't operating in purpose. People just were chasing the wedding day, but they did not try to seek God for how can I make my marriage a blessing to others, you know? And then your marriage can be a blessing for others when you do things like mentor, you know, other couples and other individuals, you know, when maybe your your household, you lead a Bible study. That's what Safa and I try to do weekly, bi-weekly with our Patreon community, lead a Bible study, lead Q&A, whatever it is that questions people may have, your marriage can be purposeful. Or another aspect is raising godly children. This world needs them because this world is very sick. There are a lot of things that I see in the news. I'm not going to talk about in this because I don't care to get into the politics and 
you know, rainbows and alphabet community get upset. I ain't got time for all that, that all that energy. But please understand that a godly marriage should be raising godly kids as well. Because there are a lot of people that they make a huge emphasis on witnessing to their entire community, everyone in the world, while they don't disciple their home. That is your first priority. As a married person, that is your first priority. And if you're not able to prioritize them, you are not ready for marriage. Just had to say it. Looks like that. I'm sorry. Third thing I'll say is this. A godly marriage isn't manipulative and controlling. I think a lot of people want to get married to find someone they can control. Find someone they can manipulate. Find someone that whatever I need done, I don't really care to do it. I'm a lazy person. I'm going to marry somebody. I can't cook, so I'm going to marry somebody because I don't want to learn how to cook. And then bear in mind, some people don't know how to cook and they're great spouses. And so I'm just using an example. Um, but a lot of times people, they're just trying to find someone to manipulate. But the Bible says in Galatians 5, 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. So we see that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, not someone else control, not spouse control. And unfortunately, a lot of people are trying to control their spouse. I believe that's an ungodly habit that we shouldn't have. We should definitely ask God. If you're a person right now that you know that you love being in control, you love telling people what to do, all that is great. And you may end up marrying someone who is passive, but that does not make it right. You know, we have to definitely fix our heart, our behavior. We need God to change us because that's not going to be a godly thing for your marriage. You know, so Bible says like this, Ephesians 5. I, I, yeah, bear with me, man. Y'all y'all just y'all just turn the speaker up and, and just, just listen to these Bible verses. Ephesians 5, 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should, should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her um, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it. Just as Christ cares for the church, we are members of his body. So a lot of times people read these verses and the men, they're only reading wives submit to your husbands. And the ladies, they're only reading how the men need to submit. But all of that needs to be taken into consideration. A lot of people ask me, and this is not an episode four, so I'm not going to dive into detail, but how does submission look in dating or what is biblical submission in marriage? And we'll definitely talk about that. That's one I probably don't want to do by myself. I'd rather get Safa in. But we need to understand that it's not controlling. I think 21st century, the way things are in our world and the way some leaders are manipulative, that people have over time started to abuse you know, their power, started to feel as though they're entitled to treat people any kind of way. But that's not what God is calling us to do. We're submitting to one another. It's not just the women submitting to the men. It's not just the men submitting to the women, but you're, you're both submitting to one another. Your body belongs to the next person. What, the, what you are doing should be ran past your spouse. You shouldn't be just living out on your own. And a lot of people claim they're ready for marriage, but they're not willing to submit to anyone. 
They they want to control the relationship, but they don't want to submit to anyone. You know, and I'm just like, listen, guys, you have to submit to one another. For a husband, that may mean like allowing him to lead, taking his opinion into consideration, not criticizing negatively, um, showing respect. Like the Bible mentions that husbands ought to love their wife as Christ loved the church. That's what he needs to be doing. I think that's the hardest task. I think we got a harder task than women. Maybe I'm biased. But to love your wife as Christ loved the church, how do you love anything? As the way Christ loves it. You know what I mean? It's like, bro, you have to depend on the Holy Spirit to help you to love and to serve them rather than trying to manipulate and to control them. You know, for a wife, you know, you're thinking of her needs as well. Validating her emotions, not making her feel like she's crazy because she views something a certain way, you know, so or even causing unnecessary conflict, you know. So it's a lot of things that we have to do in regards to the learning, the submission part of, of trying to get into marriage. Um, I'll definitely try to touch on that later on because that's, that's something that's pretty deep. And the last thing I'll say is this. Godly marriages require commitment. You know, Bible says in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is to be honored by all and the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. So God wants all of us to respect the sacredness of marriage. The people that are in the marriage, we have to respect our union. The people that are outside of the marriage need to respect the union of married people and not flirt with married people. And married people shouldn't be flirting with people they aren't married to. So God wants all of us to respect the sacredness of marriage. He doesn't want us feeling as though you can just entertain whoever you want. And because you're not committing physical adultery that is fine but we have to be careful of not falling into emotional infidelity as well that's another issue that i believe that anyone can really fall into um i have to guard myself that i'm not you know making comments that goes across the line you know and a lot of times people say so where's the line listen if i have to wonder if i'm close to the line i'm probably already past the line you know so i realize i need to be careful with that you know and that helps when you you know, you have your spouse and they have your passwords and all that type of stuff. So if they feel the need to check, they can. But it's just a matter of understanding that when you get married, we have to understand the importance of boundaries. And that's why I push boundaries so much to people that are single. Because if you don't exercise boundaries when you're single, you don't. they're not going to automatically get established when you're married. If you don't know how to have self-control... Now when single, now when dating, now when engaged, you're not going to automatically have self-control because you're married to a handsome or a beautiful person. You have to understand the need for boundaries. They're always going to be important because boundaries are what keeps you safe. Boundaries are what keeps you in the in God's will. Boundaries are what keeps your marriage pure. You know, so those are all things that we need to take into consideration. You know, and the reason I'm saying this is because I feel as though it's easy for a married person, person to desire marriage and not desire to act married, but they want to act single, you know, so it's possible that we can fall into that trap. And obviously I'll do an episode on Opposite Friends on a later time, but, you know, so let me know in the comments if you care for for something like that, you know, but when we say our vows to our, our spouse, we're promising God and the people that are listening, not just our spouse, that we're aiming to be faithful to them no matter what. Our goal is to be faithful no matter what. Um, And I think a lot of times it's easy, like I said, to not get into the physical adultery part. But when you make that commitment to the spouse, you make that commitment to God, make that commitment in front of people, the goal is telling God, telling your spouse and telling these people, my aim is never to have an emotional affair as well. So that's something that we have to be careful of because I think if we don't we don't guard ourselves. We we may never get in bed with someone, but our heart is there. We may never sleep with someone, we, but 
we may have engaged in some conversations that we probably shouldn't have. So that's the reason I'm saying that those things are important. You know, because obviously once trust is broken, it's extremely hard to repair. I know that firsthand, boy. You have to you have to keep trust because if someone hurts me or I hurt someone, I, I can't be shocked that trust is hard to be rebuilt because you're wondering, is this ever gonna happen again? So obviously the best I don't, I don't that's probably wrong wording, but the best defense best offense is good defense. I don't know how how I was gonna say that, but it's easier to not have to repair it. It's easier to keep it maintained rather than having to repair it. I don't know why I'm, why I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. I should have just wrote that down. Um, but I think another form of commitment is, is choosing not to get divorced. I think divorce should never be an option. Please, before you already click the dislike button on YouTube, hear me out. I don't think divorce should ever be an option. You know, And I know life happens, but I believe if two people are living godly lives, both people, not just one person, but if both people are striving to live a godly life, and that's the reason why I say be um, be equally yoked and don't date someone in the world or don't date someone who's not starving to be like God. Because if two people are connected to God, they're two good forgivers. They're willing to try to work through their differences, you know, and unfortunately, I do know people that have gone into marriage without a vision of it actually lasting. Um, they don't view marriage as a covenant, you know, between them and God. They view it as a contract. You know, with a covenant, it doesn't matter what anything any, anyone says. This is this is law. Nothing is changing it. We are here. People used to do weird stuff like blood covenants and cut themselves. And I'm not telling nobody to do that nonsense. You know, that's probably witchcraft or something. But blood covenants and, you know, they cut themselves and then they shake hands. So both of their bloods get into the next person to prove we are we are now connected. Like that's how nothing you can do now. Your blood is in a person um, to be connected. But a lot of people don't view it as though it's a covenant anymore. They view it as though it's a contract. And the contract says, as long as you do what I need you to do, you're good to go. You know, like a job description. I'm not going to fire you unless you stop doing your, your end of the deal. But if we view our marriage as a contract, then that just means as long as they're not serving me, as long as I'm not bored, they could stay. But the moment I'm over this, you can leave. God doesn't want us viewing marriage as a, as a contract. He wants us viewing it as a covenant. You know, and it's important, you know... I mean, don't view it that way. And obviously, I understand. I understand their life happens, you know, so I'm not pretending, you know, that we shouldn't take into consideration, you know, that people will end up divorced. Um, Jesus said it like this in Mark chapter 10. I'm read a few verses for y'all. They said, Moses permitted us to write divorce papers and send her away. But Jesus told him, he wrote this command for you because of the hardness of your hearts. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and the two will become one flesh. So there are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So Jesus told him, yeah, I know Moses was giving you, allowing you guys to get divorced. But he did that because you guys are stubborn. He did that because... He knew the condition of your heart. It wasn't a matter of that was ever God's plan. Divorce will never be God's plan. He only allowed it because he understands people are going to be sinful. People are going to make mistakes. And so we understand, obviously, there are biblical grounds for divorce. So anyone listening, please don't think I'm condemning you, um, your parents, or, you know, because a lot of people are from those type of homes. I'm not condemning those people. You know, I can't imagine the pain that, you know. Um, that you guys endured either going through that divorce or seeing that divorce in your family. Divorce can be messy. Um, but the fact remains that we should still strive for reconciliation. We should still strive to be connected rather than allowing ourselves to go back toward, to go towards a divorce. God would want us to work through our situations. You know, so that's just my take on divorce.
not going to go any deeper. You know, but there are so many blessings that come alongside being married. So many blessings, guys. I'm not I'm not telling you guys, you know, that you shouldn't desire that. I'm not telling you guys that you shouldn't want that, but I'm telling you you shouldn't ask God to give you something you're not preparing yourself for. Or you shouldn't ask God to give you something and you're not told the reality of it. A lot of times we're just thinking about the sex, just thinking about the pleasure, you're just thinking about the companionship, but there's more to that. There's a lot of serving you have to do for this person. And if you're not willing to be a servant, have a servant's heart, if you're not willing to grow as a ministry together, if you're not willing to unite, if you're not willing to lay your selfishness aside, then you're not ready for a godly marriage. And a lot of people, they say they want a godly marriage. They don't want a godly marriage. They want marriage because a godly marriage requires a godly lifestyle. You have to understand that God doesn't want you just pursuing after someone because it seems convenient. He wants you living in a way that pleases him. You know, so you get those things, you get somebody to serve with, someone that can help you with the dishes and pay the bills. Um, I'm joking. I hope Safa don't listen to that part of the episode. But, <laughs> but you get all of these great things. But are you preparing for it? That's That's what I'm asking you for. You know, so today's episode... I want you guys to understand that those are great things, but do not pursue after marriage just because you want to get married. Just because you want, you see everybody else getting married or just because you want sex. It's a lot, a lot more that goes into that than just, just sex. Yeah. But I love you guys. If you're listening on YouTube, please be sure to hit the thumbs up button, subscribe, notification bell, whatever it is, and all that stuff that people say. Share this with a friend. If you're listening on the podcast app, let me know. Guys, I'm trying my hardest to ensure that the sound is much better now. If the sound is not better yet, please let me know. I'm sorry that you know I'm going through a learning curve. I'm trying to make this all better for you guys this year, so it's going to take me a little bit of time, but appreciate you guys. Patreon community, you guys allow me to find a new subscription that is way more convenient. I appreciate you guys. Love you guys. And yeah, see you guys tonight in Bible study. Peace.